como 10 minutos, okay. nada más que eso, y de ahí viene el, el, el sendero nuevamente de unos 3-4 metros de ancho. Welcome to another edition of Strangers Abroad. This podcast is a series of conversations with the wonderful and weird people I met while backpacking throughout Latin America. These are the hitchhikers, the couch surfers, and the expats, the thrill seekers, the mountain climbers, the volunteers, and society quitters. The people who, for one reason or another, made the decision to challenge themselves, to leave behind the comforts of home, to venture out into the world, and see what happens. Here we go. Cindy was my Spanish tutor whom I met through Thomas from the previous episode. And she worked with him through Hoop, the non-for-profit that provides lower income students with opportunities for higher learning in Arequipa, Peru. Cindy's primary job was to teach the students English. I had a feeling we would get along if we both shared an interest in education and each other's languages. Our first lesson was at her office, which was a bit of a walk from where I was staying. So on a bustling afternoon, I walked along the thin and windy cobblestone streets of the city, which were frequently consumed by oversized buses that pushed me into stores which were blasting Romeo Santas at full volume. Then these hand-me-down buses were replaced by fumes of pollution as it passed by, and I continued to obstacle course my way around the people panhandling me knock-off alpaca scarves and anticuchos on the street, going through all of these obstacles just to get to my lesson. When I finally reached her office, I felt as though the city had swallowed me whole and spit me back out. But as I walked in, a wave of silence and calmness swept over me. It was the kind of space that felt like it was meditating and reminded you how to breathe. Once I came up to her and introduced myself poorly in her mother tongue, she greeted me excitedly. You could see there was so much energy inside her small frame as she rapidly started speaking Spanish. Her bold eyes bounced around, magnified by her dark lashes, which extended up to her eyebrows, giving you the feeling that she was seeing all of you. As she recognized that our conversation would begin with charades, she squirreled away some large textbooks in her petite frame and motioned me to follow her as we scampered up the steps to the roof. On top of the building, the city felt wide and open, the wind blending with the silence of the desert valley and volcanoes around us muted the noise of the city that felt so loud moments before. We sat at a corner under drying sheets of laundry, billowing in the wind and providing us with shade against the blasting Peruvian sun. And if I'm gonna be honest, I was nervous. Learning is always a vulnerable point, especially when you're no longer in school. And since I was 15, I've always had a desire to really speak other languages, an ache that has worn a small hole in the lining of my being over the years. Sometimes, while walking down the street, I will pause and allow someone who is speaking in a foreign tongue pass me by, hoping that maybe I can inhale their bilingual abilities. I used to buy tons of books in different languages and try to practice on my own, but I never had the discipline nor the environment to really go through with it. 
When you're in school, as a kid, it doesn't matter because everyone is learning and making mistakes. But when you go out and seek it on your own as an adult, it's like putting your heart in a textbook and waiting for it to get crushed. However, travel makes you used to being vulnerable all the time. But this was different. This was, it was like a reflection on my intelligence and I was opening myself up to a whole new round of vulnerabilities, ones that marked my character and, and learning skills. After traveling through some of the most dangerous cities through Central America on my own, this seemed scarier. I needed a teacher who wouldn't judge me for the eclectic Spanish I had learned over my months of traveling throughout different Spanish-speaking countries and my inconsistent studying. Nevertheless, Cindy embraced my enthusiasm and created a soft landing pad for me to fall and make mistakes on without embarrassment. Like the one time I was trying to describe how beautiful the volcanoes were. And instead of saying, Los volcanes de Arequipa son muy hermosa, I said, Los volcanes de Arequipa son muy hermano, which means the volcanoes of Arequipa are beautiful. But what I said was, the volcanoes of Arequipa are very brother. She couldn't stop herself from laughing, but it never felt like she was laughing at me. It would become an inside joke between the two of us. And together, we were able to reflect on our own languages and criticize them together. What is the difference between scary and horrifying or avoiding the mistake of mejor, mahor, and mujer? She was someone I was able to play and nerd out with in the land of languages. So as my Spanish improved, Cindy's story became clearer and she taught me more than just her language, but the history and problems of her country, the gender inequality, and the day-to-day -day musings of living in Peru, which is what we discuss here in this episode. Forgive the screeching of cars and shouts of Spanish in the background. You are getting the live action soundtrack to Arequipa, Peru. Here's her story. It looks like it's a beautiful day in Arequipa. I really, really miss Arequipa and have also been feeling like very <laughs> wanderlusty. So I guess let's start out. So you're born in Arequipa, right? Yes. And when did you when did you learn English? I learned English when I finished school because my brother offered to pay me this this course and actually I didn't know in that time if I want to study that or not but just because my my brother offered me to pay for this I was like okay why not see and actually it was like really good because English has changed my life. And I study in the language center of the university for two years. And that was in 2008. Yeah, it was really cool. Most of my teachers were Peruvian teachers, but in the last six months, I have a teacher from England that helped me a lot with the pronunciation. That's awesome. So how long did it take you to learn English? Two years and six months. Two years and six months, because it's so good. But it was like very, it was very intense, right? You were speaking English every single day kind of a thing? Um, I have classes every day for one hour and a half. But because in that time I didn't work, I have the time to practice. And 
when I was in like the second year, because I I noticed that I couldn't understand very well. I'm listening every morning to BBC World News <laughs> for 30 minutes at 6:30 a.m. <laughs> because my family were sleeping, so I listening. And at the beginning, I didn't understand anything, but like after a month, I start like understanding, understanding. I'm like was very very good practice for my listening right yeah so in that time my english was very formal because of the news <laughs> right but yeah it was was good like really really good practice right um, you're able to talk about catastrophes over like happening throughout the world instead of like making small talk today yes. right <laughs> yeah it's very formal english and i didn't understand jokes with the volunteers sometimes and they having like these dinners and I was there and I didn't understand sometimes so I saw everybody was laughing so I just laughed like <laughs> it's supposed to be a joke right. <laughs> well fortunately you have a very good sense of humor in Spanish anyways so you're like okay I should I should be laughing right now you said that learning English changed your life why do you think learning English is important? And is English something that is a priority in Spanish schools, like in Peruvian schools? So first of all, English is important. Um, I think it's very important because it's like a business language as well. Like if you speak English, you can like have so many job opportunities. And also you can, in like social life, you can communicate almost with everybody. Like, with Asian people, because Chinese, they learn as well English, so you can actually communicate with everybody and then have like, lots of job opportunities around the world. So I think that's why it's very, very important. Um, the second part about like English in the schools, yes, uh, the private schools, they actually, like the students speak English when they finish. So, but right now they tried to having more English classes and give special English teachers because before they just like anyone teach English because it just was one hour. When I was in the school, we just have one hour of English in the week <laughs> and we just like no like grammar thing. And actually we didn't like learn. But right now, I think government wants, like, because he knows that, that English is very important, so they try to put more hours in the national schools and having, like, English teachers in the national schools. So I think they want to improve that in national schools. Awesome. How many children have the opportunity to be in these international schools? Oh, oh you mean in the, in the private schools? Yeah, like is that something that is that something that most Peruvian students get, or is it kids who are a, of a social of a higher social class? You know, like people who can afford that. Since this year, I think government tried to input that in national schools, um, but it's usually for high school. So your primary school usually they don't have English classes. And so then we have classes of English in the high school. So when you are 12 years old and up, you will have lessons 
uh, English lessons, but uh, the elementary schools, they don't have English lessons. Mm. Interesting. So then I guess that transitions to, so that's what you do at Hoop? Do you teach English classes? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> in Hoop, we, select, we have kids from elementary school because they don't have uh, English in their school. So that's like, Hoop is very important because they, we teach the English in this age. So when they get to the high school, they have like a very good based English base, so they can like be better in that in the English lessons. Absolutely. And actually, some moms told us yes, like they know numbers, they know like vocabularies. It's really really good for them when they like pass to the high school. Teaching is something that fell into your lap unexpectedly. You know, it sounded like you wanted to do something else, and then your brother was like for one reason or another, like gave you these options. So w- what has teaching provided for you in ways that you didn't expect? Yeah, I really, really like teaching now. Like when I started, just like um, I discovered as well that I like it and I discover a passion. So that's the most important thing uh, because even if it's Spanish or English, it's like teaching a language. And I love when someone reach or they can speak or express um, something in another language it's just like really cool to be there in the learning process and as well when you teach you learning as well and learning more and more every time with each student so again when they teach english as well in the project the teachers are learning and the kids are learning from like the teachers and the teacher learning from their experience in the NGO. So it's like a learning process for both. Can you tell me a story of a time either teaching English or Spanish that like melted your heart a little bit? Yeah, um, when I teach Spanish to a student, he we went to the, the market and he just like came by it and he, he expressed himself. So that's very nice because like you proud and he doesn't need you anymore because he can't do it <laughs> himself. <laughs> so yeah, actually it's more like be proud of the students. When they like can finally just do it on their own. And make jokes. Absolutamente. <laughs> jokes. <laughs> es más importante. <laughs> no, I know. And you have like such a good temperament for it because one thing that I've definitely reflected on with our teaching learning experience is that you don't make at least me feel like I'm dumb for not knowing something. And that's so important in a teacher and you know how to like laugh and play with the learning system. But like you're also so equally as curious about like wait but in English like what is the difference like the one time we had a conversation about like the difference between like scary and horrifying all of those little nuances like you're still and so I just think you have like such a perfect temperament for for teaching which not everybody has (laughs) so what is the age range of all of the people that you've tutored either for Spanish or English like maybe three years ago or four years ago, I taught um, 
to a woman she was six, 64 uh, <laughs> was pretty hard and uh, so when I give her homework she didn't bring the homework but she bring chocolates and she said you have the chocolates so she, she was super super nice but she didn't do the homework she's bring me things and I was like no Spanish. That's so so I will <laughs> this will bring me I will be closer to learning Spanish right that's so funny so like because one thing that I think is really awesome is how do you what is the difference between teaching someone who is younger you know like all of your hoop kids teaching them English versus someone who's older and is like doing it on their own kind of what is that how is that different or maybe the same yeah yeah i think it's different i do prefer teach um teenagers and then adults because as you say like they really want to learn so you would like be there with them for kids it's kind of hard because some of them i want to learn some of them i just be there because the parents like they want to be like they know English is important, so they want the kids to learn, but I try just to be like a kid with them. It's pretty hard. I think kids are pretty, pretty hard. So I, this reason I really admire the, the volunteers that came and work with the little, little ones, because they need to sing and they need to act like a, like a little kid. It's kind of hard. It's, it's kind of hard. No, I, I totally feel that. But at the same time, I don't know. I guess it's it is a little different because it is exciting when you're when you're teaching little kids and they're excited about the material. It's all about I think the similarities between teaching kids and adults is how invested are they and like how excited are they by the material? Because as an adult, I'm doing this by my own volition. I'm choosing to do this. Whereas the kids, some of them are like, oh, I'm never going to use this. You know, whereas others are like, let's learn English. So that's awesome. So how has Hoop not only benefited like the lives of the kids, but what, how have you seen your work impact like the larger community? So we have more like the Hoop community, which is all the, the families come to the project. And I think how like we changed the like, different because when they first just came to the project, they thought like they can come one day and they can come one day. So they like didn't care that much. But in these years, we tried to make them very formal. Like they have a registration. So they have a justification system. So if I cannot come, you need to say why, and you need to present like a kind of document saying like why you don't then come to the school because like punctuality, all this stuff like we added year by year. So now moms are really like, I'm sorry, I couldn't come, but this is the reason, or like they try to be very regular in the in the systems because they know like if we have a party or something so the kids have more assistance they they invite you they, they invite to go to these kind of activities so i think that we made them deep that this is like a real school and they have obligations as well and responsibilities 
So I think that's like, I'm very proud of that. Like they get it in the point like, yeah, so this is a responsibility. If I cannot come, I need to respect their time. I need to call to the office to say if I can. Like all the things like now the moms are, they know. And it's great. What do you think the moms have also learned out of this? It's a, It seems like such a beautiful, it's not just the kids who are learning, but it's something that affects the community as a whole. So, like, what do you think the moms have learned as well? So, moms have different workshops as well. So, one is, like, they learn English. And they have different kind of workshops about talking about psychologists, um, nutrition as well, and they have some medical campaigns, so they're actually learning a lot of stuff. And there is lately there is a program for the moms that they couldn't finish school, so the government has a program, and they actually doing in the project so they can finish their school, which is really good. Because some moms they they didn't know how to to read or to write, so they will know eventually uh, at the end of this year every day it's something new for them to learn and as well they also prepare uh, for the other moms like if i am a mom and i know how to knit so they will prepare that or teaching to the other moms which is like the sharing knowledge yes it's very very nice like right that's so cute that's so cute did they not know how to write or read in spanish or in english in Spanish, some of them, they didn't have the opportunity to go to the school. So this program is bringing them to school, like doing for, I think it's once a week. And it's a special program for all people that they couldn't go to the school. So the government has these kind of projects. And so likely we are working with them. So it's very nice. Right. Those moms are rich and then they can finish school. Right. And so are the moms and the kids learning, are the moms learning English as well? Yeah, but kids learn English every day, <laughs> but the moms just, they have one day. <laughs> right. But I'm sure like they can work together at it at home too. You know, like that's like another unifier for them. Yeah, I think I'm pretty sure like they can check what the kids are doing and and practicing with them, so it's, it's nice that both they have English lessons. Naturally, I think the kids know more than, they, than the moms. <laughs> That's so cute. So they're like correcting them, like, no, mom, you said that wrong. <laughs> That's really adorable. That sounds, I, man, I kind of wish that I volunteered at Hoop while I was in Arequipa. I've still got time. I've still got time. I still am feeling like wanderlusty and I want to go back to Peru. Do a lot of the moms speak Quechuan? Some of them. Um, the oldest moms, yeah, they speak Quechua, but no, no all of them. Some of them just understand, but they don't speak. Right. Um, yeah. Right. That's really cool. I don't speak it. <laughs> I have no, I have no idea, but that just sounds really, that's really, really cool. Cindy has the ideal temperament to show and teach others the importance of learning other languages. She understands that education is beyond memorizing verbs and conjugations, facts and dates, but it's about inspiring a new generation to carry the world on their shoulders. 
She shows them what their possibilities are. And for her to provide that to her own community and a group that might not have that much opportunity as it is, is truly a benevolent gift and great use of one's life. She educates to fill the mind and inspire the heart. I can never thank her enough for what she has shown me. She helped me break out of just the, the safety net of my dreams of speaking other languages. And our lessons kept me inspired on how I could continue to learn things as I got older. How the limitations I had once placed on myself, I could break out of. So on our last in-person lesson, we were on the rooftop and we're able to have a chunky but solid conversation in Spanish. It started to feel like I was reaching a flow state where time is an illusion and your sense of self falls away. And she asked me what I was going to be doing in Arequipa. I told her I was going to visit Machu Picchu before leaving Peru, but it was time to go. Home was calling and I found I had a specific direction I wanted to try to take my life in. And I casually asked her if I could interview her. In our next episode, we meet Matt, an American who is biking across Peru and whose work in Hollywood drives him towards finding the humbler side of life. So you're just riding twisties for a couple, of, like, a, like a couple of hours, yeah. and you think about nothing else except for your bike and the line that you're going to take to approach a curve. Mm-hmm. And those are some of the best days I've ever, uh, on this trip, let alone ever had riding. Really? And it's just a good way to clear your head, and it's literally like it's zen, it's you're in the zone. Next time on Strangers Abroad.